0: Before we get started on today's podcast, I thought you might be interested in learning about a great movie available on Amazon Prime, Amazon.com, and Amazon Instant Watch, Spiders Will Eat Your Face, or How America Got Pet Tarantulas. How have tarantulas become a pet in the USA? How is something like that allowed, legal or safe? This original American practice of keeping tarantulas has its roots in the Wild West a U.S. government waging war on Mexico, racial relations, and even the great Louis Pasteur. Told in stop motion, Mike Fallick meets experts, dealers, and collectors who show you how the world of spiders works. You can find a link to this movie on the bikesand.net website. Now to today's podcast. Welcome to the Bikes and Podcast. You may not be surprised to learn that this is a podcast about bicycles. If you're on the hunt for people talking about the Tour de France or the latest shock technology, however, you are in the wrong place. Although we rather hope you stick around. This show is about the people that have stories to tell relating to their own experiences, great causes and events to promote, but all centered around the bicycle. Bikes and beer. Bikes and the Rwandan Cycling Team, Bikes and Film, to name but a few of the conversations we have had. You can find our website at bikesand.net, our Twitter feed at mybikesand, and our Instagram feed is bikes.and. If you have a bike story to tell and you'd like to be on the podcast, click on the Contact Us link in the navbar of the bikesand.net website. I hope you enjoy this episode of the Bikes and Podcast and that you have a great ride. I've taken a bit of a summer break from producing the Bikes and Podcast. And as we head into the tail end of the summer with some incredible fall riding to look forward to, welcome to episode 21 Bikes and First Descents. I ride bikes, I hike, and I fish to name a few of my favorite outdoor pursuits. The common denominator is that all of these take place in the beautiful mountains of Colorado. The great outdoors represents a prescription, a healing place, both mentally and physically, providing me with the ability to escape from the stress and concerns of modern life. Such is the power of adventure. But what if what ails you was orders of magnitude greater than a bad day at the office? nose to tail traffic or a bounce check. What if you were struck down by cancer in the very prime of your life? Can a prescription for outdoor therapy provide you with some opportunity for healing? The charity First Descents believes so. Their research shows that 100% of their participants reported increased ability to cope with cancer and its shitty effects. First Descents addresses what the National Cancer Institute identifies as a major determinant of long-term survivorship, ongoing psychosocial supportive care. In plain speak, what that really means is while the doctors and medicine may have saved a life, First Descents teaches people how to live again. First Descents provides life-changing outdoor adventures for young adults aged between 18 and 39 impacted by cancer. And I'm talking to you today from their Denver headquarters and joined by their executive director, Ryan O'Donoghue. Ryan, welcome to the Bike Sand podcast, and thanks very much for joining us.
1: Thank you, man. Thanks for having us.
0: Not at all. Um, we do have beers here today, so cheers. I think we should probably cheers to that. Absolutely. I forget what this is, but it's probably pretty good. It's Local. Tasty. Yes, It's an it epic
1: brewing epic. company something or other, and it sure is... Uh, it's working well here at 4:30 right. on a Thursday night. Day- well, I think, we should, I
0: think we should. think we should try that. Talking about prescriptions, <laughs> that's a good one.
1: It's one intervention. <laughs>
0: that's right. So um, maybe we could start off by just maybe you giving us a brief introduction into what First Ascents actually is and what you guys do.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Ben. Uh, you definitely nailed it in your introduction. Uh, we are an organization that believes in the healing power of adventure. Right. Uh, what began as one program uh, in the Vale Valley with fifteen participants back in two thousand one has grown to upwards of a hundred programs throughout the country and worldwide, and really our focus is on healing through adventure challenge and community Mm -hmm. and uh i'm sure we'll get into it quite a bit during this podcast but our mission statement sums it up well we provide life-changing outdoor adventures for young adults impacted by cancer Mm -hmm. as you mentioned right and we also have a a, a focus on long-term community creation um you know the we're not a one-time isolated experience we don't teach you how to roll a kayak or paddle a point break and then leave your life we're here to stay so Mm -hmm. we uh we're all about building those communities, and um, excited to share a little bit more about that.
0: Great. So, who who actually started the the organization?
1: Yeah. So, our organization was founded by uh, Nike sponsored pro kayaker by the name of Brad Ludden. Mm. He was invited to the Vale Valley to be the summer ambassador uh, at the time, and his sole request of the Vale community was to help him launch First Descent. Uh, so, founding board members uh, with the support of the Vale Valley community. Uh, rallied around this idea. Uh, uh, certainly was not the most uh, well-understood concept at the time. Uh, doctors uh, thought that a, a lot of the folks who were trying to, to make these adventures happen were out of their minds. They weren't going to send their patients who they were treating with cancer down, sure. down, a, oh, down the rapids. I so, can see that. Um, but yeah, Brad's an incredible guy. He's a visionary, very close friend of mine. Uh, and, and, and those within this community, he's is, uh, is an inspiration.
0: So uh, you're a Georgetown grad, uh, 10 years with Accenture, That's I think right. I'm right in saying. Yep. How the heck did you find yourself as the ED of First Ascent? <laughs>
1: That's a great question. Uh, the, the simple answer is uh, really that, that path was lit up for me, uh, and it's, um, it's one that was nearly impossible not to follow. My brother was diagnosed with a rare form of head and neck cancer. I was about two and a half years into my career at Accenture, and I was going down that traditional path of evaluating what my next move was at that point, whether I was gonna go back to business school. And rather than uh, focusing on myself and my career development, I really turned my focus to my family, to my brother. Um, together, we realized that um, we could help a lot of other people in, in what we learned, what he was going through. So. Um, it's a bit of a longer story, but he was a, a, he was a at, root, at youth education. Uh, he was an at youth risk education yep. in Cleveland, Ohio. A very underfunded. Mm-hmm. As a result, he had some basic level insurance to cover uh, his his. He was a coach at a, a local wrestling program, uh, and so when he was diagnosed with cancer, we realized very quickly that the insurance that he had was not going to cover a lot of the the treatments that were going to be required, and so. Mm-hmm we rallied the local community. Uh, They came out of the woodwork to show their support for my brother and for our family. And we quickly realized how fortunate we were and we also recognized how many people are out there who maybe don't have the same support system. Mm -hmm. And so we realized that we were in a position that we could help other people. So that was the start to uh, an organization called Rise Above It that we founded with friends and family. And that was really the start to um, what led me to to my role here as executive director at First Descent? Mm. How's your brother now? Unfortunately, he passed away oh. two years after his uh, his diagnosis, and to this day, he remains an incredible inspiration to myself and to so many others. Um, he had that that rare ability to embrace other people's dreams as if they were his own. So. Uh, everyone he knew pretty much thought he they were they were best friends which was a a beautiful sight to see i still learn learn from him daily
0: i'm very sorry to hear that thank you that's shitty yeah um i also see that you worked with LiveStrong for two and a half years yep uh about the time when lance armstrong's fall from grace went from slippery slope to full-blown implosion um that must have been an interesting time to be part of that charity
1: that sums it up pretty well. Uh, you know, Live Strong is, is an incredible organization with Absolutely. such a meaningful mission, and they had helped us when my brother was down the path of looking for clinical trials and really trying to find a life-saving therapy. And so my loyalty is very strong to the to the foundation. The, the timing was definitely challenging. Uh, I was really there to, to really help advance the mission of uh, the Live Strong Foundation, and unfortunately the focus for so many was just on the story. Mm-hmm. And uh, personally, in my opinion, it's that all of that's just secondary to helping people who are going through difficult times. And so in terms of, uh, you know, the legacy that that organization has left in the cancer community, it's it's incredible. And I'm proud to have met some of the most talented people uh, mm-hmm. of my life working there at that organization while I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, I did invite Lance
0: Armstrong to be on the Bike Sound podcast, um, and his agent turned me down. Um, but I will throw—I'll
1: oh, well, I'll shoot an email to Higgs see if he might. Uh... There we go. <laughs> I'm
0: going to throw this out there, Lance. Any time, any place, anywhere. Uh, it would be really cool to uh, to listen to to your story, uh, listen to your uh, your podcast during the Tour de France, which was which was really good. Um, and um, this is one of those, if you don't ask, you don't get type of thing. So if you're listening, Lance, um, in the unlikely event that you're listening, Lance, uh, let's see if we can get something on the calendar. So um, what I noticed uh, on, the, uh, on your website that your tagline uh, is uh, living it, or sorry, outliving it. That's correct. That I'm assuming be- that's a double entendre, right there. Help me understand what that means to you.
1: Yeah, you nailed it. It's uh, we're outside, we're out living it um, in in nature, and you nailed it in your in your introduction in terms of the healing uh, power of, of being out there and, and, and in it and embracing that, right. and then it's just outliving your challenges. and I think that transcends cancer. I think that uh, applies to any life challenge that we can be going through and. Um, We are are believers of adventuring into the unknown rather than fearing the unknown. And so outliving it is really a a lifestyle. It's a philosophy of how to really... uh, to take on your challenges to embrace them and, and to really rise above that
0: yeah absolutely so um why the focus on on young adults that specific age group right there
1: sure so if you can imagine uh you don't look like you're too far out of that age room thank uh, you so much a little bit but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and, and <laughs> listeners if you're not a young adult if you can think back to where were you living what were you doing what did your relationships look like uh, you know where were you working um you know and now try and layer in a cancer diagnosis Mm -hmm. and the complexities of navigating a a pretty challenging healthcare system. Um, at this time in life, we're really trying to define your self identity and become, uh, really independent. You're forced into this reliance on the healthcare system, on your doctors and your nurses, oftentimes your family. And when you look at your peer group, they're, they're stepping on the, on the gas. And, uh, You know, it's it's just an incredibly challenging time to be hit with a life-threatening illness, and our research shows that diagnosed as a young adult, your risk for anxiety, depression, substance abuse, and even suicide. Suicide mm-hmm. is is far greater, mm-hmm. um, and you know when you look at it, at over seventy thousand uh, over seventy thousand young adults are diagnosed in the U.S. each year. Mm-hmm. It's the fa- fastest growing and most underserved cancer demographic that exists, mm-hmm. and hospitals and and treatment centers are hard pressed for age appropriate and uh, you know, development developmentally appropriate support services like we offer. Mm-hmm. So really our focus is knowing that this is such a pivotal time in people's lives and knowing that it's, it's historically a very under-resourced yeah. demographic. Yeah,
0: no doubt. So let's just talk about, um, about the activities that you offer. And I know you. this isn't obviously, it's not just happening in Denver, this is happening across the U.S., and it's happening um, across the world, I think, to a certain extent. So let's just talk about the, the activities that, that you guys provide.
1: For sure, yeah. What started with solely whitewater kayaking quickly evolved into rock climbing, surfing. We eventually added ice climbing. And now you can pretty much capture it all in adventure sports. So mm-hmm. we do stand-up paddling. We do it on whitewater rapids. We, Uh, We introduced a a fat biking series at one point where we did six consecutive weeks up in Golden uh, and taught people how to winter mountain bike. And so really, it just oftentimes depends on the region that we're in, in terms of what we're able to offer. Mm -hmm. But it's when you really sum it up, it's adventure-based sports. So skiing, snowboarding, backcountry skiing, some intros there that we do, Um, but it's really across the board
0: and I'm assuming you get the whole um, gambit of people's experience so you're gonna get some people who have never done fat biking before right. skiing and you're probably gonna get some people certainly in Colorado who skied before for sure so how do you deal with that mixture of, of experience
1: it's interesting most of the people who participate in our programs actually this is their first entree into yeah. the activities there yeah. are some that have some experience but most of the people this is brand new mm. Um, in the case where people are experienced it's just helping that it's having them be a part of the experience in a way that connects them more from the social aspect of it rather than if somebody were an advanced skier we're not helping them learn to ski so right. it, it's more about the social connectivity of right. the peer group than it is so much the activity
0: yeah and I, and I'm I'm going to guess you know it's a sound, it's just a terrible thing to ask but I I'm, I'm going to assume that you know some people have a clean bill of health, mm-hmm. uh, some people may have just been diagnosed, some people maybe right. have disabilities as a result of their cancer, so how, how is that, how do you deal with that?
1: We have an incredible uh, staff uh, out there leading the experiences, committed volunteers who are uh, fantastic, and we cater to, regardless of what the, the situation is, we cater to uh, whether you're in active treatment, whether you've been cancer-free for five years, whether you're an amputee. We've, uh, we've taken a gentleman who was uh, blind, unfortunately, as a result of his cancer and his treatment, uh, whitewater kayaking, and he was mm-hmm. in his own hard shell kayak mm-hmm. with uh, safety support surrounding him that entire time. So we're very adaptable when it comes to delivering these experiences. So um, while oftentimes whitewater kayaking or rock climbing or ice climbing can seem intimidating, right? We we've uh, demonstrated the ability over time to really make these sports accessible for those who are absolutely brand new and who have uh, unfortunately um, experienced some some challenges uh, physically surrounding their diagnosis and their treatment.
0: Right, absolutely. Uh, you mentioned volunteers. I'm going to guess they play a major part in Huge. your story, absolutely, as they do in most uh, non for profits. So. How, do, how, do, what, how does that work?
1: Well, we have incredible volunteer opportunities. Uh, we rely on over 200 volunteers per year to help deliver our experience. Uh, in the week-long setting, we have general support volunteers, a need for them on every program you can think of this as basically a dish pitch or somebody who's really kind of keeping the camp clean and helping pack lunches and keeping the kitchen clean. Uh, We have uh, a photographer and a videographer at every program. Mm -hmm. We also have a medical volunteer at every program, uh, which is an EMT minimum uh, Mm -hmm. in terms of what their requirement is. So, certainly encourage people to volunteer. It's very easy to find on our website, which will get you that information towards the end of this podcast. But um, yeah, volunteers are a huge, huge part of our community uh, and, and very much help us execute and, and deliver against our mission.
0: Um, I, I use the word prescription in my introduction. Do you ever get doctors prescribing going to first descents
1: believe it or not i wouldn't call it a a traditional prescription but it it certainly is highly encouraged from a lot of our medical partners throughout the country so you know our our two number one sources of referral one and two essentially are our word of mouth and then the medical community so doctors nurses physicians social workers are referring first descents to the patients who are being treated at their at their centers so um we, yeah, down the road, we think that that's a, a, actually a very viable thing. We believe that what we offer is a very similar to a prescribed intervention in terms of helping people um, return to wellness. Yeah,
0: uh, Julia Day, if you're listening to this, that was a reference to your amazing uh, uh, description of uh, prescribing at the outdoors um, by a doctor. Um, I can't claim that all for myself. <laughs> Julia you'll know exactly who you are and anyone who knows Julia will know exactly what I'm talking about so um some great stories Ryan can you share any like great success stories with us like give us some of the some of these success. <laughs> yeah
1: there's there's definitely a handful uh, of I bet history. it's
0: every single time you yeah I mean
1: there are so many really every individual who comes to our program is the success story and they in, in themselves just in terms of their courage and their resilience but you know of course pulling off that first camp it's hysterical I wasn't with the organization at the time, but when I hear Brad and our, our founding board members and some of the founding staff members talk about that experience, it's just, it was uh, very much, a, you know, uh, they were off-road in, in a big way, doing this, kind of paving the way. And uh, so that that certainly was a huge success story, I think. Um, Some of the other ones that come to mind is, more recently, through the learnings of our Stanford research effort that we had done back in 2012, we learned about the importance of not only providing these life-changing experiences, but to really focus on remaining in people's lives, right? We don't want people slipping into those previously identified distress levels. We want to make them feel like this is their community, this is their place of belonging. And so we launched uh, what is affectionately referred to as our FD Tributaries Program, which are our local adventure communities now in 15 cities around the country. So Mm -hmm. the launch of that here in Colorado back in 2013, um, I think, is is a huge success story. And just in the theme of being on the bikes and podcast, Mm -hmm. one of the really cool success stories of all places is down in Orlando, Florida. Which we have a local adventure community that was uh, inspired by some of our participants down there and one of our most successful events annually now is a bike the keys event
0: Fantastic! which is
1: it's incredible it's 100 miles over two days uh granted it's not tons of elevation and climbing i'm or, good with that by the way it's a big rolling record. party it's a great time <laughs> and they raise uh, a really Meaningful um, sum of money to help support all the local activities that are happening in the area. And, uh, you know, the gentleman uh, who, who was really one of the catalysts for, for launching that effort has just been an inspiration to so many of us. He's one of our alumni cancer survivor, and he is the guy who... You know, quote, who with with the quote you know that you mentioned earlier in this podcast, where the doctors and the medicine may have kept me alive, but first to send, stopped me how to live again. Right, and that really has has really been defining in terms of uh, that synergistic relationship we have with the medical community, and they recognize us for that. Yeah. So, but yeah, thousands upon thousands of success stories and I'm sure. fun, fun times. Yeah. And um,
0: do you uh, have you ever had a situation where you have had? Uh, a participant in your program as a cancer survivor or someone suffering from cancer who has beaten it and then come back to be a volunteer? Yeah,
1: actually, that happens more often than you would think. And uh, some of our best volunteers are our alumni uh, uh, program participants who've uh, just really um, embraced the outliving it" philosophy and, and that um, really, that culture of philanthropy and giving back, yeah. and and really, you know, in a lot of ways, that's a, a, an incredible sign that they've they've gotten to a place where they feel really um, confident enough to now be giving back to to the cause that, that that they were transformed by. So it's it's been a lot of fun to see those key contributors along yeah. the way.
0: Um, you mentioned the Stanford, I think you said yep. um, study, which I, I, I noticed on your website. Um, it, it had, uh, uh, if, you go to the, uh, if you go to the First Ascents website, uh, link on our website, uh, firstascents.org, correct? Yep. Firstascents.org. Um, and um, there is a great infographic on, on that website, which is relating to that study. Yep. Um, so I think being part of a not-for-profit myself, the measurement of success is important How are you you measuring
1: success? How do you you justify that? That's a great question. So we're really very committed to the ongoing program measurement and evaluation aspects of of our work. And we've now done two externally led research efforts. The first one with Stanford back in 2012, which led to the launch of our local adventure communities and our tributaries program. Hmm. Uh, And the more recent one was with the University of Michigan. Uh, We conducted that throughout the year in 2016. Um, The first study was published in the Stanford study was published in the Journal for Psychosocial Oncology. This more recent one was just published in the uh, uh, Supportive Care Cancer publication. Mm. For us, it's important to have a second set of eyes evaluating everything that we do and then helping to inform how we can continue to improve our programs. So what we found in in both of these, and, and the second one was very reinforcing of the first, was just increased self confidence, self efficacy, reduced anxiety and depression, mm-hmm. um, the ability, the the, the the kind of the belief in one's body again. So issues surrounding kind of your own body mm-hmm. uh, and the, the the feeling that your body may have failed you um, is, is a common issue that we see in that restored self confidence and. And body image is, is a big factor for us. So mm. um, we also we're building that capability internally as well. So we do pre and post program surveys, um, and we're constantly we constantly have a finger on the pulse in terms of how we're performing against our mission.
0: Yeah, good. Um, I, I'll also assume that this isn't free uh, in terms of the cost relating to a massive program by the sounds of things. Uh, how, uh, how do you handle the, the cost side of things?
1: So it's free to the participants. Uh, I, I'm assuming that was the case. Uh, yeah, it, it's a great question. So thankfully, we have a pretty diverse revenue uh, portfolio, I guess, in terms of how we raise the money. So it's individual major donors, mm-hmm. foundations through traditional grant writing. Mm-hmm. Um, we do a handful of produced events throughout the year. And we have a really strong peer-to-peer support community that's doing their own fundraisers uh, throughout the year. And really, this would be the call to action that's probably appropriate in terms of uh, how to get involved and how to support the organization. We call it our Outliving It project, and people take on challenges. Uh, Speaking of some of the cycling challenges, we had a couple who attempted to race across America together on a tandem. Um, They're incredible. They raised... uh, really really uh meaningful sum of money for the organization and then were, were they married they
0: were married and they married no day actually
1: day? i'm sorry they were not married but they got married oh. immediately after unfortunately an injury ended up uh ending the the their their project but oh. uh they got married the very day after they were off the bike which is a pretty inspiring story i think
0: if you can survive that long on a bike together <laughs> and still get married That's a sign for a solid marriage ahead of you. Because yeah,
1: I think I I think I once heard from a friend that uh, regardless of which direction your relationship is headed, a tandem bike will get you there much faster. (laughs) Good. Um, Good. But another really notable one is Leadville 100. So Mm -hmm. we have a team of 20 plus riders every year. Um, The race series has been incredibly generous to us, and Mm -hmm. so this is this year was our 11th year with a team in the Leadville 100 mountain bike uh, race. And we've raised over, I want to say at this point, it's over $1.4 million mm. through that race effort. So that's a huge uh, source of, of revenue for the organization. But it's really connecting with people in ways that are meaningful to them and having them uh, really uh, get to know us. And any any listeners out there with the Family Foundation looking to give away a million dollars, we're your, we're your charity. There you go.
0: <laughs> you heard it on this podcast first. <laughs> Um, it's actually great to hear about the Leadville 100. A, uh, I believe you did it, um, I did, Ryan. I did. I did. You suffered through 12. How, what time did you get? Uh, it was, Eleven it was hours and 59 11 minutes.
1: Eleven hours and no, no. I actually finished in 11, in, 11 hours and eight minutes. I was on That's pace great. to to finish in 10 hours, and then I, considering I'd never done a race or had never done a century, I underestimated um, certain aspects of the of the experience. <laughs> Nutrition being one of them, um, power line being the other. But yeah, yeah but, it was yeah, uh, right. it was quite the adventure.
0: Um, they've actually uh, we've spoken about having them on the on the podcast actually. So oh, um, I wanted to wait. It was a bit late in the season. I wanted to wait till this Leadville had finished, and then we'll pick them up on the flip side.
1: It's an amazing event. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I. I well. Yeah. It's one of those things. I've done a couple of uh, of endurance rides um, only at the fifty mile mark. The idea of doing 100, I just, I just don't know how, how it's done, but it's, where there's a will, there's a way. I, I was pretty
1: naive about the pretty whole naive. Thing. <laughs> Maybe
0: that's good. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe that, that's, a, that's a good thing. Um, the, um, the First Descent uh, team is based here in, in Denver in this um, incredible industry building right. uh, to the north of Denver in sort of the Rhino District. Um, and I presume this is Rhino. This is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, how many employees support this uh, this organization?
1: So we're currently 17 full-time. We're about to post two new full-time positions. Okay, good. Those will be coming out on the website here soon. Yep. Um, roughly 30 seasonal contractors, uh, which includes our chef. Nutrition is a huge part of what we do. Mm-hmm. We have a chef program where there's a chef and a sous chef on every week-long program that we right. offer. Right. Uh, and then we have... Uh, As I mentioned, tremendous volunteers each year that help us execute um, the work of the the organization. And we're thankful to have amazing community partners throughout um, that help us produce events and help us with website development. Um, We just relaunched a new website, so take a look at that. It's beautiful. Um, But, yeah, we... We're looking to grow, and so talented people, talented people who are interested in our work, we certainly encourage them to reach out, and mm-hmm. we want to get to know you. So let's talk about
0: reaching out. So how do people get in contact with you?
1: You mentioned the website. That's a great way to, to learn more about the organization and connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it is, your preference. Right. So that's First Descense, dot uh, Descense, D-E-S-C-E-N-T-S.org. Would love uh, for you to connect, obviously you can connect with uh, us here at the industry building. Just walk in, you'll find us, we're the coolest office space in the building.
0: I've seen it, it's true,
1: look and, on the website too. And there's beer on tap, there's so on tap. It's, uh, it's convenient. But yeah, info at firstdescents.org is a great way to reach out via email. Uh, find us on Facebook, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the other links that are out there. Good stuff. Yeah.
0: Well, Ryan O'Donohue, thank you very much for joining us this afternoon. Um, what you guys do is is tremendous. Um, uh, I've spoken to a number of, of organizations that just make a shitty thing better. And that's exactly what you're doing. So thank you for doing that. We thank appreciate Adam. Appreciate right. you having me on. Okay, not at all. And thanks for the beers. You bet. All right. Even though cheers. they were free. Yeah, cheers. Just before we end today's podcast, don't forget to check out the movie Spiders Will Eat Your Face, available on Amazon Prime, Amazon.com, and Amazon Instant Watch.